Let's jump into the Bible. Y'all ready? John chapter 5. I want you to go there. This is one of the one of the cool stories in the Bible. John 5. If you have your Bibles, you can pull it up. If not, it will be here on the screen. John chapter 5 says, verse 1 through 9, by the way. It says, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. And inside the city near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. And crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. And one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. That's longer than a bunch of you have even been alive. For 38 years, this man has been sick. And when Jesus saw him, and I'm going to stop right there. Because there's this verse, it said, this whole section of scripture says a lot. But this one part where it says Jesus saw him just grabs me. Because that means Jesus is looking. And, and the possibility that Jesus is looking in your direction today, that's a good feeling. Am I right? Just kind of tell your neighbor he's watching you. And tell him you better not talk during church because he's watching you. He's watching you. Yes. When he saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, watch this. He asked him, would you like to get well? The man had been sick for 38 years, and Jesus stops and asks him, would you like to get well? And I want you to see the response in verse 7. I can't, sir. Like, just stop right there. Would you like to get well? I can't, sir. And that is so loaded, but I want us to keep reading because I want to show you some things. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. It seems like someone else always gets it. it seems like someone else is the one that's blessed. Seems like someone else is the one getting healed. Seems like someone else got the promotion. Seems like someone else. Anybody ever been there before? Seems like someone else gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Come on. That story wasn't finished yet, am I right? Let's pray, and then we're going to jump in. Lord, love you, and thank you so much for your word that is alive and is powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I thank you, Lord, that you're using it today to speak something to us. And I just pray, Father, that, that every person in this room, every person watching online, would hear more than a preacher today. But, Father, I pray that they would hear your voice. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would walk the aisles of this building. I pray that you would step into the living rooms, on the couch with every person that's watching, that's listening, that's hearing this message. And I pray, Father, that you will speak something to them that will change them, not just for a little while, but forever. And I give you praise that in this place today, we may be sitting around now, but I thank you that we're going to be walking when we leave out of here. We're going to be standing strong because of the move of your Holy Spirit in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. All right. This is like one of the, 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 the most interesting stories in the Bible. 
But before I jump into that story, I want to tell you a story about myself personally. How many of you growing up, you either had one or knew someone who had an above ground swimming pool? Come on, raise your hand. Let me see this. I'm talking above ground. We, we, listen, where, where I grew up, we didn't have the in-ground stuff. I mean, that ain't how we roll. We had an above ground, three and a half feet high. You know what I'm saying? With the ladder, which code for ladder is I'm diving off of that. And they got every sticker all around the pool. Don't dive, don't jump. But how many of you did it anyway? Wave at me. And you made it. Amen. How many of you did not let your kids jump? All right, we'll pray for you. We're going to help you, all right? Man, we would jump off of this thing. And one of the funnest things to do in above-the-ground pool, because it's round, you know what it is? Make a whirlpool. You know what I'm saying? You know, make a whirlpool. How many of y'all been in that pool before? You're making that whirlpool, and, like, you start out, and you're pushing, you're pushing, and everybody's working with you. And we would invite the whole neighborhood. We would invite everybody. And so you can have upwards of 20 people in this little pool, and you get them going in the same direction, and, and the water would begin to lift on the sides all the way to the top. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, but we never moved the ladder out of it. I don't know why, but we would just run around this thing and get it going, and then you would grab a float, and you'd jump on it, you'd float all around in circles. And, and, and one day, uh, just floating around in circles, not paying attention on the big inner tube, you know what I'm saying? You go around, and you hit the ladder, and when we hit the ladder, the ladder tilted over, over and the bottom of the ladder punctured the liner. That's not a good day. I have to tell you why. Because my mom always wanted this pool, but my dad never did. Never, ever, ever did he want a pool. And we put the hole in this thing, and that means you have to tell dad that you put a hole in the liner of the pool that he did not want, nor did he like. Now, what everyone in the room needs to know is that my parents are watching this right now. So I walk a fine line telling these stories, and I could tell you some stories. <laughs> I could tell you some stories. So he came home from work that day, and he patched it. And he told us, if you're going to do the whirlpool, take the, the ladder out of the pool. Common sense would tell you to do that, am I right? So we carried on with our summer fun with this above-the-ground pool and just enjoying it and destroying it, you know, all the things that you do when you're uh, a middle school boy and you have a pool and you have friends that are over. And one day I was in the yard just doing my chores, just doing what Dad told me to do before he got home from work that day. I want my yard cut. Now, some of you, your interpretation of your child cutting the yard is them sitting on a riding lawnmower, but I need you to know Never was that purchased in my lifetime and my stay at my parents' house. There was one more that was purchased for an acre lot, and it was the 22-inch, not self-propelled. Please do not think it was self-propelled. It was a push mower. Come on, I need somebody who cut some grass with a push mower to wave at me today and let you know that Jesus saw you when you were cutting that grass. Hey, I, I got to ask this question. How many of you, because you had things you wanted to do and that thing wasn't self-propelled, you ran with it? I need to see that hand. How many of you, I need to see another hand, you tied it to the back of your bike and tried to pull it around? I'm glad to know this is the kind of church that we're at today. I like that. And I'm just cutting the yard near the pool. And... uh. My dad lost a lot of tools throughout 
our years there uh, because we like to assemble, reassemble, disassemble anything, bike, just whatever it was. And we would just do it at random spots in the yard, you know, like there was no, I mean, we had a lot of trees and covered everything. So we would just find a spot, take it apart. And one day I'm cutting the yard by the pool with the push mower and I hit something and it was loud. And I just saw it shoot out the lawnmower and it's like everything in life slowed down. It was in slow mo. Some of y'all know what's happening. And that thing just shot straight through the wall of that pool. And there was a hole in it, probably about that big around, and water was just gushing out. And all I could think is, <laughs> my dad, <laughs> my dad who loves me, whom I love, <laughs> is not going to handle this well. <laughs> and trying to do everything we can to stop it. I'm laughing now, but I, I have to let you know, I was not laughing that day. I just knew that, that there was going to be some discipline served that was going to shape my life. Let's just leave it there. Am I right? And uh, so the water in the pool was just running out, and we're trying to stop it. We couldn't stop it, the pressure. That was before the flex seal tape. You know, you just slap on the side. We didn't have no flex seal. We just had like a rag. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just put something over it, and I didn't hold. And so we're trying everything. I mean, so many different things to try and stop. We couldn't stop it. So by the time he got home from work, the water level was now below where the hole in the pool was. And we thought that was it, that he was going to destroy it, and he didn't. He didn't do anything with it. He just let it sit. And we didn't do anything with it. We just let it sit. Didn't use the filter, didn't use anything, and that turned into a mess. Come on, have y'all ever seen a pool that you let go, you work on them, you know, it turned into a mess. And so it began to look like pond water because there was a pond back there that we would fish at, and so we just thought it would become the live well. I know, I'm telling y'all crazy stories, but I'm just letting you in. You, you thought your childhood was crazy. Come on, come down the road with us a little bit. I can tell you some stories. And so we would throw some fish in there. We just threw everything. And then one day, my dad just had enough. He had enough. We tried to resurrect the pool, and he said, no, that's not going to happen. And my dad, uh, he drove a tractor, and he would spread loads of dirt and clear out lots and everything, and one day he decided to use that tractor to eliminate the pool. I know some of you are like, you poor family. <laughs> it was quite hilarious. This was before videos. I wish I had it. I would show it for you right now. <laughs> it was a little aggressive, but he just wiped out the entire pool, and uh, we didn't have a pool since then until my kids were born, and then my mom got another one, but it was one of them inflatable ones, you know, that you could take down and everything. The pool, though, I'm telling you that story because the pool was what this man thought that if he got into this full pool, it was full, he thought it was going to change his life. And for however long he was sitting on the edge of that pool, he was never able to get in to this pool. And so he was sitting on the side, missing out. And there's a lot of people that want something to fulfill their life. They want something to fill them up. And it seems like we're sitting on the outside looking in. And we see other people that looks like their life is full. Am I right? It looks like they're happy. Like their marriage looks like it never, ever has a problem. I'm going to just tell you, just because it looks like it doesn't have a problem, doesn't mean they don't have problems. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. 
and their kids just look like they are the best. So respectful, so mannerful. My experience with children is they usually do a little bit better with other people than they do with you at home. You ever notice they'll go somewhere, they'll help that. Hey, can I help you do this? And it's like, where's that? And then I remember, wait a minute, that's stuff I used to do. Because my dad would say, you go around and you you help everybody else. When are you going to help me? And I realized, okay, we got some values put in us that's really working to help others. But sometimes we don't really see what's going on in our lives because we're busy looking at what's going on in everybody else's lives. And we fall into that little comparison trap and we just think that we got it so bad. And so we're talking in, in, this, in the context of this series, fulfilled. We want to live our lives full and we want to live our lives filled. And sometimes our definition of what it means to be full and what it means to, to be fulfilled is not really fulfilled. It's actually empty. It's actually empty because there's a lot of people that have on the outward, on the outside looks like everything is great, but on the inside, it's not so good. We've done that before. We've all done that. On the outside, we may be at church. We may be at a wedding. We may be at a gathering, at the game or whatever. And on the outside, everything looks great, but no one knows what you have been going through this week. No one knows the phone calls that you took, the emails that you had to answer, the people, just the people that you had to encounter throughout the week, that the Lord really just intervened and kept you from crossing some lines that you thought about crossing. Can I get an amen? Anybody had a frustration with at least one person this week? I know you said, bless you in the name of the Lord, but others of us had other thoughts, and we had to intercede so the Lord could change us. Amen? So when we start talking about being fulfilled, we have these different ideas and we define it differently. And so last week when we kicked this series off about living fulfilled, first thing we said is that God is inviting you to a full life, living life to the fullest, living life full. God is inviting you to it. And then we said you don't want to miss out. And I will tell you, There's a lot of people that are missing out on the life that God has intended for us because we're looking somewhere else to get the life that only God can give. We're copying what somebody's doing to make it look like they got it. We're copying it, and we're getting no results from it, and we're frustrated. Amen? So he's inviting us, don't miss out, and there's always room for more. Meaning this, and I want you to hear this, God isn't finished with what he wants to do in your life. You may be blessed right now, and don't think that God says, okay, I'll bless them, but that's good enough. That's good enough. God's not finished. Can I get an amen in here? So today, though, what I want to talk about is this. Last week, it's about the invitation. Today, it's what's holding you back. Many times, it's like, God, where are you at? What are you doing? What's holding you back, God? Uh -uh. We're turning this around today. What's holding you back? He sent the invitation. Why aren't you coming? He sent the invitation. When you look at John chapter 5, story of a sick man, we're not aware of his diagnosis. We're not clear on it. But we do know that he needed help getting around. That's That's what the conclusion we can draw from the scripture. Obviously, he can't walk. He can't just get up when the water is stirred in this pool to, uh, to jump in. And he's been waiting for this miracle for 38 years. 
and he's been waiting for an event. Now, this is the event that is going on in this scripture. There was a belief that an angel from heaven would come down and stir the waters at random times. No one knew when it really was, but they knew that there was some type of bubbling that would occur in the water caused by an angel. And the thought was the first person to jump into the pool when the water is stirred is the person who gets healed. So there's lame people, there's blind people, and there's crippled people sitting around this pool. Obviously, there are some limitations that is going to hinder any of this activity, any hopes of this type of healing. And so when Jesus sees this man, the encounter begins because he asks him, do you want to be healed? And the man does not realize who it is that is talking to him. He doesn't realize that it's Jesus that is literally inviting him to living life to the fullest. Because that word well, when he says, do you want to be well, that word means whole. And that word whole literally means full of life. And he's asking the man, do you want to be full of life? And the man's response is, I can't. I can't. I wonder how many times God has put the gift right in front of us. We may have not recognized it because it came in a package that we didn't think it needed to look like. But God had the package right in front of us. And we just said, oh, no, I can't. You know how we are. Somebody says, hey, I want to give you $1,000. A teenager, give it here. You got some more? But some of the older ones in here, they were like, no, I can't. No, no. No, I can't. I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't want to be a bother. Am I right? How many of y'all still got a little bit of that in you? Some of us. Others, you like, hey, man, talk to me after church. I'll take an extra 1000 right there. Jesus offers it to him, and the man says, I can't. I want you to see this. This is a story of people who obviously have something missing. There's an emptiness, and they're sitting right next to a full pool, okay? And the plan of action is to get into something that appears to have all the life in it. If I can get into that, it's going to make a difference in my life. And we can apply this to a lot of stuff. Because if I can get onto that team, and if I can get into that job, and we can move into that house, and if we can go to that trip, I mean, we just keep going down the list of all the things that in our minds we believe that if we got or if we got into, that it was going to bring all of the fulfillment that we had ever hoped for. And we've all been there. We've bought the brand new car and like it smell. I love the smell of a new car. I love it. I love that smell. I don't know how they duplicate it, but I need it in my life because my car isn't new anymore. But I like the smell of a new car. Am I right? Just love it. And so we want the newness. But after a while, what happens to that car? It ain't new anymore. And now it becomes a monthly note. Can you hear somebody who's got a note? It becomes a monthly note. And that car that you used to baby now is just turned into, I need you to get me there and save me some gas money. And what does that smell? Why are there French fries all underneath my seat? Everybody's got a French fry under their seat. Everybody gets a French fry under their seat. Uh, 
at first it's amazing, but after a little while, you realize that car didn't do anything for you. Because the last car you had was still getting you from A to B. Amen? It was getting you from A to B, but we wanted that new one because this is going to change my life. I got tinted windows on this one. You know? But now you got to pay for it. Similar kind of thinking here. Because these people sitting by this pool just thought, if I had that, this is going to make the difference in my life. And in that, Jesus shows up and asks him, do you want to be well? This man had become so conditioned, he wasn't even thinking about getting well. He was just thinking about getting in. It was no longer about being made well. Because if Jesus asked him, do you want to be well? He would have said, yes. But he said, I can't. Because his whole life has been conditioned to what he doesn't have. And he thinks, if I have that, that's going to change everything. But there was no guarantees with that. But he had built his life around just having that thing. Because it looked like fullness. It looked like life. And he believes, if I can just experience this, if I can just get in there, it's, this is going to change my life. We often wait for something to happen to us that will fill our lives instead of stepping into what God can do that will fulfill our lives. We're waiting for a big break. We're waiting for a big moment. Can I tell you, there's a big moment sitting right in front of you right now because God sees you. And the question is, can you see him? Or is your eyes so fixed on what you think you need to change your life that you miss the one that could give it to you? And this is, this is real stuff that we deal with because we have needs and we have hurts and we need healing and we need God's provision and we need God's wisdom. We need all of this stuff. But God's like, do you even see that I am right here? Like sometimes we pray like he's not even around. Sometimes we worship like he's somewhere distant, but he is right here with us. And if we understood that he was right here with us, it would change our whole perspective of this. And so he asked the man, would you like to be whole? Would you like to be full of life? I asked the same question. And if so, what's holding you back? In 1989, there was a man, his name was Willie Hurt. He won $3.1 million in the lottery. That's a big event. 3.1 mil will change your life. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, if somebody just gave you a $3.1 million check today, I hope you're buying somebody lunch. Amen? And so Willie Hurt won $3.1 million, an event that will change his life. When you hear about this on the news, they celebrate the guy, and you think they're going to live happily ever after. Two years after he won his $3.1 million, he divorced his wife. He lost custody of his children. Was arrested for attempted murder. He developed a crack cocaine habit that sucked away every last dollar that he had. That's odd. Because you would think that if you got $3.1 million in one sitting, that's all you need. Am I right? This can change your life forever. And it did. And this is what we learned from this story. His pockets were full. 
his bank account was full, but there was something in him that was empty, that he needed to be filled, and the event did not fulfill what he really needed in his life. And it happens to us because we think the job, if I landed the perfect job, it is going to fulfill my life. And it doesn't fulfill you. It just helps you pay your bills. Amen? Like we, we just think if I had this and I had that, this would fulfill. And there's nothing wrong with this and that. But to put the, all your eggs in one basket thinking that this is going to be the thing that is going to give me the fulfillment. Like when I get married, this woman is going to fulfill my life. Amen. When we have those kids, that's just going to fulfill my life. Amen. There's a lot of blessing that comes from both. But it can't fulfill everything in your life. It just can't do it. But yet, we are on a cycle of continually trying to find a thing, a person, an event, an opportunity... The next thing, the next hobby, the next whatever it is, thinking that it is finally going to give us the fulfillment that we need. And it never, ever does. It never does. We often wait for the big break when actually what we need is Jesus. So Jesus shows up. Ask the man, would you like to get well? And the man says, I can't. It's possible, I want you to hear this, and you might want to write this down. It's possible that this man was so contained, so contained by the condition that he was in and all the things that were surrounding him, that he didn't recognize the person that was standing in front of him. He had become consumed with everything that was wrong, that when what was right stood right in front of him, he couldn't even recognize it. He was consumed. He was consumed with everything that was broken. He was consumed with the missed opportunity because the other day the water was stirring and he wasn't able to get in and he missed it. And so this is another period of time that he has to stay in the same position that he's been in for so long with the same people dealing with the same thing. When will it ever end? And now Jesus has shown up and he can't even recognize Jesus. And I begin to think sometimes this happens to us. We become so consumed with everything that's going on in our life. Jesus is standing right there and say, hey, I'm here. I'm here to help. I'm here. I know, Jesus, I'll get to you later. I'm here to help. And when you hear this, it's like, ah, oh, no, I know I got to do better with that. Come on, aren't you thinking that right now? I got to do better with that. That's it. That's it. I'm going to get focused. I'm going to get focused. So what's holding us back? I want to break this down for you a little bit because I'm going to, I'm going to dive into some areas of our lives that we may not be aware of that may actually be holding us back. Here's the first one is our perspective. Now, this is pretty broad, but I need you to, to, to lean in a little bit because your perspective is how you see your situation, how you see your life. It's how you see what you see. Did you hear that? I know that's deep for some of y'all, but it's how you see what you see, meaning this, it's your way of interpreting things. It's this filter that you use. And our perspective has been shaped by so many things. Like our perspective has been shaped by our education in school, 
There was a lot of our perspective that was shaped by teachers and everything that we learned in school. Some of it was good. Some of it was not needed. Amen? Um, some of us, our perspective was, uh, was taught to us through the school of hard knocks. Not just school, but the school of hard knocks. Y'all been there? Anybody else still enrolled? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Still paying dues? Like tuition for the school of hard knocks is high. I don't know about y'all, but every year it feels like it just keeps going up more and more and more. But it shaped our perspective. Old school. Some old school stuff has shaped our perspective. There's some good things in the old school. Am I right? There is. But there's some things that don't apply. But you can be so loyal to the old school that it will hold you back from what God's putting right in front of you. Okay? So this, these are things that have shaped our perspective. Here's another one. Perspective is shaped by the influences in our lives. Relationships. Um, like family. Friends, co-workers, classmates, come on. We, we don't have any idea how much influence the people we are closest to really has on us. Some of us, we will not eat that if it wasn't for our friend. I'm serious. Like some of you, you would never eat crawfish till you hung out with me. And I'm going to get you to eat it. And all you feel like is, do we need to get like some kind of insecticide or something? Because this looks like a bug. And I'm telling you, this is good food. Am I right? Like, people have those types of influence, and it shapes our perspective. The people that you're around, that's why it's so important that you are smart about the people that you surround yourself with. Am I right? You got to be smart about it. You got family. You got friends. You have coworkers. And listen, people are all over the place. And it still has an effect on our lives. It affects our beliefs. It affects how we see things. It affects how we think about things. Some other influences in our lives, cultural influences, personal influences, spiritual influences, emotional influence. We can dive into all of these different things. We have to be aware that our perspective has been shaped by so many things in our lives. Perspective shaped by life experiences. We've all had some good ones, but we've all had some bad ones. Think, think of the person who's been through divorce that says, I'll never marry again because marriage doesn't work. Well, in the context of what you went through, that may be the opinion that you arrived with, but that's not true for everybody. But the pain of it is so convincing that that becomes your standard. And that applies to, I'm not, I'm not picking on anyone who's been through that. Because it applies to so many other things. You have one bad experience at a restaurant with one person that may have a life crisis going on, and you say things like, I'll never eat there again. I mean, calm down, Charlie. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a little aggressive. You don't know what that person might be going through. But we draw those quick lines because our perspective is drawn in a second because of something that has affected us. And if our perspective isn't right, we may not see it for how it really is. We may misinterpret it. And I wonder in this situation, this man, because of what he has been dealing with and what he has been going through, his perspective is so much more about struggle 
that whenever Jesus shows up, he can't see the possibility of anything changing in his life because all he knows is struggle. All he knows is the last guy he asked to help him get in didn't show up that day. All he knows is that other people pushed him out of the way when he was trying to get in. All of this so affects perspective. So he felt like he was missing out. And all of us in here, the possibility that there could be great things happening all around us. But if our perspective isn't right, we may not see it Better yet, we may not even celebrate it. Because all we feel is struggle. All we feel is what we've walked through. And you got to be tough. And, I, and you, can, you can be tough and miss something great. Come on. And what if, I just asked that, what if our perspective is keeping us from what God has for us? And when he says, do you want to be made whole? We're just like, I can't. I can't. But I've learned it's difficult to keep your perspective pure. It's difficult, especially when you have some real life experiences that hurt, where you got burnt, taken advantage of. It, it just kind of leaves a mark on you and you, you, you approach life differently after that. Can we, can we talk about that? Can we say that? Because that happens to us. And we just throw everything into that one category and just think that's how it is. And you got to watch out for this and you got you to be careful with that. And what if Jesus showed up right there? Who is able? More than able. And not just to do that thing that we needed to do, but to heal that thing that needed to be healed in our lives. So that our perspective could be made pure and made right. The perspective is powerful. Because it's not just what you see, but it's how you see what you see that determines how you're going to react to it. Here's the second thing. Because perspective, if you got it right, listen, if your perspective is right, you can see possibilities in anything and everything. You won't deal with as much negativity. You'll still have to confront it, but you will learn that there is always a possibility. You will learn there may be problems, but we're going to figure out a way to solve it. I may have to walk through it, but guess what? I've made it through before. I'm going to make it through again. This is heavier this time, but I know where my help comes from. Amen? Perspective. Here's the second thing, though, and this is where it starts getting a little bit more personal because not just your perspective may be holding you back, but sometimes it could be your people. Your people. I know. Your people. That's the people who are with us. I'm not just talking about the people that live under your roof, by the way. could be them. It could be other people. The people that you're opening up to. The people that you have invited into your life to help you be who you are. The people that you've invited into your life that you have formed relationships with and you share stories with and you share all the things that are going on in your life. Sometimes the people that we bring into our lives could be the very people that hold us back from the life that God wants to give us. And listen, this isn't like try to exclude everybody. That's not what this is. This is just being aware that there may be some people in our life that do not have the right perspective. Come on. And they can become more of a stumbling block than a stepping stone for you. And you have to be aware of that. And that's not putting anyone down because before we think it's just other people that have the problem, we have to be aware that we could be that to somebody too. Am I right? 
Like, I don't want to cause someone to stumble. Jesus said, it's better to have a concrete block tied around your neck and thrown into the sea than to cause someone to stumble. Woo! I better get it right for them. But I need them to get it right for me, too. What's holding you back could be your people. Now, what? Now, now listen. I'm a firm believer that life is better together and that you should not do life alone. Right? Like, you, you can't just ride solo. Because you ride solo, you're going to wind up going in circles. You're not going anywhere. you got to have some people. Anywhere that you get, promotions, taking steps, there's usually somebody that God's put in your life to help you to get there. You're not a self-made man. You might be good, but you are not that good. Amen? You're not. Look at your neighbor and say, you're pretty good, but you're not that good. I didn't say that to him. You did. All right. This man's situation in his life was affected by the people that were around him. They were. Because there were blind people there. Now, now, follow with me. They could not see when the water was stirred. All they knew was, I hear something. The water is bubbling. We need to get in. But there is a possibility because they do not have their sight. They can walk. They, can, they have a lot more function and ability than the person who is lame and crippled because they can get up and walk into the pool, but because they don't have their sight and they can't see, they may walk in the opposite direction and not even know it. This is the kind of guy, this is the people that this guy's around. Then there's the lame that are there. The lame, they're unable to walk. They have been hurt by something. He, he's sitting with a group of people. Let, let's, let's bring it down to some, some, some context. People who can't see are people who have no vision. They have no vision, no purpose, no direction. That's who he was sitting with. Uh, people who are lame, people who are hurt. And because they're hurt, that's all they talk about is how hurt they are. And so can you feel the negativity just coming on you? These are the people that he's hanging around with. And then there's the, the paralyzed, the cripple. They can't go anywhere, and they can't feel anything. This is the combination of people that he is sitting with. And you have to know, if you sit with those people every single day, all day, it's going to have an effect on you. You can't just hang around with anybody for long periods of time and not think that it's going to have an effect on you. It will. That's why as parents, we're so careful to teach our kids about friends because you can't just be friends with anybody. You've got to choose the right friends. And you've got to be the right kind of friend because relationships have influence. They have power. And this man, he's sitting there every day. And what I thought was interesting is when Jesus asked him if he wants to get well, he says, I have no one. But there's a lot of people around him. And there's a lot of people that have people around them. But when it comes to their need, they say, I have no one. And on the outside, it looks like you have a ton of friends. It looks like you have a ton of people surrounding you, a ton of people involved in your life. But when it comes down to that thing and those things, the real things, who do we have? Who is the person that you can go to? Who is that someone? And this man said, I have no one. So watch this. It's possible to have company that helps to comfort you, but it doesn't mean that they are going to be able to change you. 
They comfort us. That's why we have people around us. It's comfortable. But the change that we really need, that we really need in our life, can they bring the change that we really, really need? And obviously, we see from this story, it was something that only Jesus could do. The best people to have in your life are people who help you to see Jesus in all situations. Have a bunch of friends, but you better have that friend that will point you to Jesus. Can I get an amen? You want to know if you're a good friend? Look over, do a little inventory over the time that you've spent with some friends recently and just ask yourself, have I helped them to see Jesus in their situations? Am I pointing them to Jesus or am I just trying to bring them some comfort? Your comfort may help them for a little bit, but what they really need is change in their life. And if you know the person that can make the change in their life, why don't you just point them that way? Amen? That's why it's important that you are aware of the people that are around you because sometimes people can be the very thing that's holding you back. Let's be the people that point people, that lead people towards Jesus. Am I right? That's the people that you want to be. That's the people that we need. Here's the last one, and this is where I think it gets the hardest. Perspective, you get that. People, we know a few people that we probably need to watch out for. But what happens when it's your plans? Because this is where it gets tough. Because we put a lot of thought into this. Because that's what we want to do. But I want you to see this story like this. This man made a plan that he believed was going to change his life. That was his plan. I'm going to wait for that water to be stirred. And when it gets stirred, I'm going to get in that pool. And that is going to give me life to the fullest. And for 38 years, the plan hadn't worked yet. But he was going to work it again tomorrow. And the next day, I'm going to work it again because he's got work ethic. I mean, he stayed out there that long. The guy, I mean, he's sticking around. I mean, he got a little something. Am I right? He's sticking around. That's more than what most people have. He's sticking around. But his plan wasn't going to work. There were no guarantees if you jumped in the water. It was just a legend. There were no guarantees that if you got in the water, it was actually going to heal you. That's just what they said, what they said, what they said. And this whole group of people just believed everything they said. And this man formed his whole plan for what was going to change his life around all these things that they said. And we do it too. Because they, who said that? I don't know. I saw it on social media the other day. Because that is such a reliable source. User 4581236. Who knew? Am I right? Who knew that TikTok user had all the answers that we were looking for? But they don't. We make these plans with an idea of achievement because we believe if I achieved all these goals that I'm going to get fulfillment from all of the goals. I'm bringing it home right here because this is where we are. And we have this idea that if I, like I said earlier, if I got that job, married the perfect person, had the perfect kids, live in the perfect neighborhood that had the lake and we could drive the golf cart around, and we bought a beach house and we had a hunting lease and we had the fishing boat. I can keep going on and on. And we had the big SUV. You know what I'm talking about? The big one. The big one. It blacked out too, man. Black rims. 
No, not alloys, black. I mean, we just can't. And, and it's just this idea that if you have all of that and if you have this job and you have this massive retirement, and can I just jump in right here and say, there is nothing wrong with that stuff until you make that your idea of fulfillment. Nothing wrong with it, but if that's your idea of fulfillment, everything is wrong with it because your plan is not going to lead you to the place where the true life that God wants to give you is actually at. It will indebt you. It will overwhelm you. It will put you on this little hamster wheel just running and running and running, and you will get nowhere. Nowhere. And you will be so frustrated because you thought that if we did this and if we graduated there and we got that job, that this was going to make a difference. But you found out that none of that stuff was actually what you were looking for. It's just what you needed to get down the road a little bit. What you were actually looking for was the thing that only God could give. And it's life. And it's life abundant. And it didn't come from all of those things. It came only from Him. Only from Him. Only And listen, not just that. There are people that believe if we have the, fir- the perfect family picture and we had the perfect clothes for church and we showed up in church with our perfect little family that we were going to experience all the life of God. And if we followed every rule, it was going to be the perfect life and we were going to be full and missing the whole point of it because it was more about an image than a life change. It was more about how we appeared than who we actually were. Our plans get in the way man his plan was to get into a full pool but he was living an empty life he thought the pool was going to fill him up and all these things they may be a part of your life but they're not the things that will fill your life let me say it like this the sick man's plan to get better actually became the plan that was holding him back. Man. Because we would all look at that and say, he's a planner. That's a good guy. He's a planner. At least he's got an idea of what he wants to do. But his plan, when Jesus showed up, wasn't working. Jesus showed up today in your life you got to ask yourself, is your plan for living life fulfilled, is it really working? Or do you need another thing? Do you need some more digits in your bank account? Now listen, I'll be honest. I'll take a few more. Am I right? Can I get, get a little side amen right there? <laughs> I'll take it. But that's not going to fulfill our lives. Remember last week we talked about the invitation to the banquet and the one guy he said I just bought 11 pairs of oxen and I need to go try them out we got a big work week coming up I need to go try them out I can't come the other guy he bought a field and he said I gotta go check it out because this field's gonna make me a lot of money I can't I can't come the other guy got married I can't come to the banquet because I just got married. And again, still this Sunday, I can't understand why he didn't just ask, can I bring my wife? I don't I don't understand that. But anyway, I believe Lord give me revelation at some point. These were excuses. They became the plan became the excuse. I need you to hear what I'm telling 
every one of us in here today, it is so easy for the plans that we come up with to become the very excuse of why I can't, why I won't, because we can get so captured with all this that we have to do that we can miss what he is trying to do right there. We can miss it. And it would be so rough when we realized that my plan got in the way of what God was trying to do. See, our plans aren't necessarily bad. But when they don't include Jesus, we miss living life to the fullest. And that's where it gets bad on us. Because it pulled us away. Instead of bringing us in, it pulled us away. We have to be aware of things in our lives that has the potential to pull us away from the very one that we need. Think of this. And this morning, I hope as I'm sharing this, it's a little inventory. You know what I'm saying? Just doing a little inventory about your perspective. And you may say it like this. Man, I can tell I've just had a, a not a good attitude lately. I, I need to work on that. Or, or maybe you say, you know what? I've been telling myself I probably need to distance myself from that group of people. They're not helping me. They're hurting me. They're turning me into somebody I don't want to be. You know what I'm saying? I probably need to distance myself. I believe that's the Holy Spirit just trying to help you. Be positioned so that when Jesus shows up, boom, it happens. But when it comes to your plans, this is where you got to evaluate. It's the track that I'm on positioning me for what God wants to do, or is it pulling me away from what God wants to do? And if it is, it's time to reevaluate and put yourself in the place because you don't want to miss out on life to the fullest. You, uh, do y'all hear that? You don't want to miss out on life to the fullest. I'm not just talking about we look happy. I'm talking about happiness from deep on the inside. I'm talking about peace from deep on the inside. And all chaos could be going on in the world. But you've got something in you that just sustains you through all of the things. I'm not saying you're not going to have a bad day or a bad week. But what I'm saying is something in you is greater than all the things that are around you. And even though that happened, even though this has happened, even though i got to figure that out, I have something that has taken me forward. I have the fullness of the life of God itself living on the inside of me and I don't need something that appears full to give me the fullness because I have opened myself and allowed him to fill me and because of that I am full and I may take a shot and I may get hit and I may go through that but something on the inside of me gives me the fullness the satisfaction and all the things that I need and it sustains me through it all sustains me through it fullness of life comes only from the Father. Every head bowed, every eye closed as we wrap up. In verse 8, he told the man, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. I'm pretty sure this man relied on that mat for comfort. And it's interesting how Jesus told him to pick it up and go home. What is it that's keeping you comfortable while you're missing out on all that God has for you? Because he's saying it may be time to just pick it up. And it's time to walk. I want to pray for you, Father, today. Every person here, as we hear this message today, it challenges us to our core. 
Because number one, we don't want to miss you. And I believe you stand right there at the door of our heart and you're knocking. I just pray that we will open our door to you and let you come and be the one that fulfills our life. That you will give us the peace that passes all understanding that is greater than all the other things. That you give us the wisdom that none of the other stuff could give us. That we have this sense of love and belonging that can only come from you. God, I pray that we will open our hearts and allow you to be the fullness of life on the inside of us. And God, we don't want to miss you. So I ask you for help with our perspective. Come on, someone needs prayer for that. You, if you know I'm in that place, I, I need some things to change in my perspective. As I'm praying, I just want you to lift your hands. God, we need to change our perspective. Because sometimes we become fearful. Sometimes we become negative. Sometimes we become overwhelmed with all of these situations. We worry. We don't have peace. And because of that, our perspective is so affected. God, we want to see through your eyes. We want to see the possibilities. Your word says your ways are higher than ours. And so, Father, I just pray that you will open our eyes and give us the vision to see and interpret it the way you see it instead of the way it feels to us. Help our perspective to change. Now, some of you, you know there's some changes that need to happen with some people, some relationships. There's some people that have become influences on your life, and I want to pray over you. And if you know you got to make some changes with some people, just lift your hands. I just want to pray over you. Father, relationships are very challenging. And people may have been part of our lives for a long time, friends, maybe even coworkers. But, God, we realize that not everyone around us is someone who is for us. And I just pray you give us wisdom to navigate relationships and help us, Father, to have the people around us that you want around us to help us to see what you have in store. And on the other side of that, we pray that we will be the friend to others, the family member to others, to help them to see what you're able to do. I pray that we will be the person to point them to Jesus. So today we ask for the right relationships, but we also ask you to help us to make the relationships that we do have right in the name of Jesus. And the last one, I want to pray for plans. Plans, if you know there's a possibility your plans may be getting in the way of what God wants to do, I want to pray for you. Father, we make our plans, but you order our steps. And Lord, right now, we surrender those plans to you. We have ideas and things that we want to do, but Father, we don't want to miss what you have in store. And I pray, Father, you give us some discernment and some vision and some wisdom to adjust our plans so that they include all of you, not just a part of you, but all of you, Father. I pray, Father, that you will literally begin to speak to people all across this room and those watching, that you will order our steps. To that college student that's trying to figure out what's next, speak to them, I pray. To that high school student who's trying to figure out where they're going with their life, I ask you to speak to them. To that mom that's trying to figure out, how do I do this? God, I ask you to speak to them. To that man who's trying to be the leader of his home, trying to take steps spiritually, I pray that you speak to him as well. Father, we need your voice. And I ask you to make it plain and clear in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Come on. Stand to your feet this morning as we wrap up. What a day. Come on. Did you learn some things today? Come on. God's got something in store for you. Let's not miss it.